Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the Restoration. So this is a very special episode that we're doing. I'm really excited about it. And just to give you a little background, uh, probably about, say, two months ago, would you say? Yeah, about that, yeah. yeah about yeah. two months ago, we were actually sitting in the office adjoining this, uh, this studio here. And uh, Glenn and I were having this conversation. And, you know, I, I know Glenn a little bit uh, in our community. It's a fairly large community, so not everybody knows everybody real well. But, you know, him and I have had, you know, small talk now and then. And uh, when I decided to take on this endeavor, I really, uh, to be honest with you, many evangelicals have no idea what I'm doing. And they're like, what is, I don't understand. Like, Mormonism, and you're an evangelical, and you're not trying to, like, proselytize them. You're just trying to talk to them. What is this all about, right? Well, I just, when I was talking to Glenn, we were talking, because we're setting up a community cable channel here, and we're having some technical issues, and all of a sudden, the conversation comes up about my YouTube channel, and then it just kind of, like you said, organically came yeah. about where I, I told Glenn, okay? And, and this, is, this is what I think is so awesome about what happened was, uh, I tell Glenn about what I'm doing, and he said, well, isn't that interesting, because uh, I've got a family history. Uh, Glenn, just talk a little bit about who you are a direct descendant of. Just tell me right now, what's his name? Well, this was really funny because, like Steve said, um, everything organically happened. And as a matter of fact, I don't even think you were even telling anybody at that point. Uh, right? I might have told one or two people at that Yeah, and it just—it was just natural conversation that happened. And um, I'm just big on family history and history in general and how the history actually affects our lives now. And what happened was is that uh, way back in my lineage, my my mom's my I'm Glenn Cole on the Cole side, which is English, but on my mom's side, it's Merrill, and the history of it's kind of interesting because it goes all the way back to, I mean we've been able to track it back to about the 1800s, and we well actually further back than that because originally my lineage went all the way back to French Huguenots in France, mm -hmm. you know, around the time of King Louis XIV. So what happened was, to make a very long story short, my relatives, which were actually called at the time murals, so they weren't murals yet, they were murals, ended up by getting booted out of France, then ended up by going into Holland, and then were in Holland for a number of years, and from Holland, they were kicked out. My my family gets kicked out of all the good places. So they, <laughs> they, they ended up by getting kicked out of Holland and then came over to the to the new free world, um, ended up by settling in Canada. And and so what happened from there was they migrated eventually down into the States. Now, but when they came into the country, they changed their name to Merrill which was really common back then, you know, especially people that came through Ellis Island and, and things like that. So my, my relative actually that we knew about, and this was one of those things to where we, you know, I knew about this relative, but I never really researched him out as much as I should have. But all I knew was I had a, a relative who was like an original disciple of, of what happened. Uh, Brigham Young. Uh, Brigham yeah, Young. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so what happened right, you know, during in the early days of, of when everything settled out in Utah. Yeah. And so what happened was, and um, am I okay? Oh, yeah, you're doing fine. <laughs> you're doing fine. I, uh, and just, just so you guys understand, I mean, so like, so I'm having this conversation with him. And you have to understand that my channel was meant to basically to be kind of like a secular scholarly channel. I come from an evangelical background, but, you know, 
Um, I was just kind of doing middle-of-the-road kind of stuff. But Glenn was a long line of interest, interesting characters that I would in, encounter in which uh, you were one of the first where, oh, yeah, I have a Mormon connection. Now, it would be one thing if we're in the Inner Mountain West Evangelical Megachurch, all right? We're in Gulf South... Gulf Coast of Florida. Gulf Coast of Florida, right? As far as Utah as you can get. And I keep on running to these, into these evangelicals who have direct, direct Mormon connections. And right. when I said, oh, of course, that's the reason why I had to tell Glenn, because he's a direct descendant of... Uh, an apostle of Brigham Young, right? So this Imagine is like... Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, oh, yeah, that's perfectly normal. So, so of course, uh, that was one of those events that changed the trajectory of the channel where it's still kind of be, going to be scholarly and secular in nature and everything like that. But I also realized that, of course, I'm covering a major religious movement, right? And a movement in which there were quite a remarkable events that happened in it. And, uh, of course, things like spiritual things are going to enter into the fray. Now, a lot of people who are doing stuff like this kind of basically want to just keep things secular. Mm -hmm. They want to push it back. But right. I thought, you know what, let's just let that enter into the picture. All right? Mm -hmm. So that was one of the foundational aspects to my channel was, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, okay. All right, Lord, I get it. Direct descendant. And that's why <laughs> I told him, right? <laughs> so that gives you kind of a little context. And so... Just continue with the story. Yeah. So, anyway, so this was kind of the the the, the, the path of the Merrills coming into into this country, and then from there out to Utah. Um, but my relatives actually ended up by because I know um, um, Mariner actually W. Merrill, and spent some time in Boston. Now we had relatives that actually settled near Boston. They ended up by settling in the Haverhill area, which is where my grandfather actually ended up by settling. Okay, cool. So he ended up by settling in that area, and then eventually in New York City. Okay. So that's, you know, my, actually, I ended up by growing up in New York. Okay. And so my, that's where, you know, my, you know, my, you know, my family actually was from. Okay. So that's kind of where all that began. Yeah, for my you know for my existence. <laughs> so the, now in your and in, in, so in your family history, it was like you got you kind of knew that this individual was part of your history, correct? Did you know for most of your life, like, oh yeah, I'm kind of related to some Mormon prophet or apostle, or, or or when did you find out that you had this relation? Yeah, actually, my my uncle um, ended up by doing a family tree, and that's okay. how he found out about him. And probably with so, a Mormon, uh, probably a Mormon company that he probably went with, most likely, <laughs> Mormon-owned. Yeah, yeah so probably likely. But um, so we ended up by doing a family tree, and that's how we found it out. Okay. Was was that we had a family that was a direct descendant that actually went. So this is a relative. Actually, so this is actually a relatively new revelation that you've had. Within the last, well, he did that probably close to about twenty years ago. Okay, but so it's still, it wasn't, yeah, but still relatively yeah. new. Yeah, yeah, and, that's, that's interesting. And my sister, my cousin Bev actually did the family tree research too yeah. and just to make sure that that was valid and it was valid you oh, know? that's so, pretty wild so at any rate so we ended up by growing up in new york and um and what happened in new york was i i mean i always i mean on the, on the spiritual level was i um i always had a love for god i always had a passion for god even mm -hmm. as a kid i used to just like hey god you know have a good day mm -hmm. you know it's a beautiful day out so i mean that whole passion was there and and it was like god actually originally in new york I just had a passion for prayer, so in, in the early days, I mean, even as a kid, yeah. I started praying over the Vietnam War. I'm, I'm in my 60s, so back then it was you yep. know, body counts all every 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 night on yep. TV, you know. So um, to make a long story short, it's just I started praying when I was in New York over the war, you know. Okay. And then 
Um, my parents moved from New York. We went to New England, and I kind of, I wouldn't say I ran from God, you know, but uh, because he was always there with me, you know. But what happened was is that I just just started getting into stupid things and, and things like that, and then um, rushed the clock ahead. I ended up by coming back to the Lord back in the 80s. Okay. And it was, then I got full of the Holy Spirit hmm. around 1990. Okay. And then what happened was I just started getting these doors opened up to actually start praying in locations. Okay, now before we get there, because I, I want to talk to and this is really important. So he just said something, he was filled with the Holy Spirit around 1990. Now the question is, what does that mean? Yeah. Like within our context, you know, because you guys mm -hmm. have an understanding you of the restoration. Uh, what is this all about? Well, you know, part of this is, is that um, you know, a lot of this started around 1906 in a place called Azusa Street in Southern California, in the Los Angeles area. And basically what happened was uh, you had what was, with, with, in our context, we believe that an outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurred at this time. And what happened was really, truly remarkable because what we saw was we saw white people, black people coming together and some Hispanic people there. But interestingly enough, there was a large community of Armenians in that community that came there. And just to give a little context, I think people, no, this is going to resonate, that's this is going to resonate, I think, with our audience. In the 1800s, there was this boy prophet in Armenia, okay, who was telling the people, these were proto-Pentecostals, okay, in the late 1800s in Armenia, and he gave warning to his people that it's time for them to leave. They had to flee, okay? So there was this huge influx of people that came to Southern California. That's why there's so many Armenians there, okay? And they had many of what you could call Pentecostal style in their church services, okay? So this boy prophet led them, gave them this vision, and many, many people fled to Southern California. Well, these people were instrumental in starting this charismatic movement because they joined forces with the white people and the black people and the Hispanic people and the Armenians. In other words, kind of the outcasts of society in many cases, because many of the white people, they were just poor white people, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So this was a very populist thing. Um, now, just keeping this in mind, right around the time of Azusa Street, not long after that, we had what was called the Armenian Genocide. Mm. Okay, so we had a prophet who was warning his people. They had to flee. These people fled, and confirmation was that they'd made the right decision by fleeing, because if they had stayed and they were a Christian and they were an Armenian, they were going to be dead. Okay, so this is the context of what was happening around this time. Now, if you, I, I want to give you this history because it's important that we understand that you guys have had a similar history as well. You've had at the very beginning of your church, you had an outpouring of, you had people giving prophecies, you had people, you know, prophecies being fulfilled. You had a lot of the signs and wonders that we saw in Azusa Street in 1906. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's what that's all about. Now, to give you context. Now, as a result of what happened just a little over a century ago, there are over a half billion people on this planet that are basically practitioners of the charismatic slash Pentecostal movement. Mm -hmm. Within a couple decades, it will be larger than Islam. Okay? Mm -hmm. So that's a tremendous move that we've seen on our mm -hmm. side. Okay? So being filled with the Holy Spirit is kind of a new concept that's only a little over 100 years old, mm -hmm. and that fundamentally uh, changed the trajectory of Christianity. And interestingly enough, if you read the book, a Pentecostal reads the Book of Mormon. He talks about how the Book of Mormon actually is a very Pentecostal book, and many of the concepts that were adopted in 1906 were actually kind of uh, foreseen in the Book of Mormon. So my Pentecostal friend, he's one of the top Pentecostal theologians in the world, he's like, I just I still don't know how that got in there. So I'm, I'm giving a little background yeah, it's perfect. because yeah. I think it's important mm -hmm. that you, you have to understand that there's, there's some tie-ins here that I think is important. So you're so it's 1990, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
and you decide you're going to start praying for like mm -hmm. peoples and groups mm -hmm. and and what led you to that what was what 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 was why did that happen yeah well you know it's interesting too steve yesterday was celebration of pentecost sunday right okay so it was it was actually the anniversary well we celebrate that every year is the anniversary when the holy spirit fell on the on the on the upper room mm -hmm. after Jesus rose from the grave. So, right. you know, that was, you know, within a 40, 40 days after mm -hmm. that, that happened. So that was a celebration yesterday right. of that too, yep. which is neat. Got it. Yep. But what happened was, is that <clears throat> the Lord, like I was praying in New York back when I was a kid, the Lord just started opening up places for me to be able to start praying. Like for instance, when uh, I, I started going on a few mission trips, I went over to Africa and I was praying over what happened with persecution with the Muslims over there okay. over in West Africa. I see. Um, God led me to another year to go to uh, Haiti in the Dominican Republic and pray over what was going on there with the slave trade and everything that was going on back in the time of, <clears throat> back in uh, when a lot of the slaves were coming in through Jamaica and, and a lot of what happened over in Haiti hmm. and in the Dominican Republic. And also what happened in uh, Russia, I ended up by going over to Belarus and praying over there. And they, the, the Belarusians were amazing. I mean, they were just so, so full of God and just so, <laughs> just so responsive to, to, you know, the, the Holy Spirit and, and what you were talking about. And um, so there was different times over the years that the Lord would have me do that. But on that trip to Africa, the, that one, um, I had to go through Paris. And okay. in Paris, I had like six hour layover in the airport to make a long story short. I ended up, I, it was like, I felt like the Lord told me to go out and just get on the first bus that he tells me to take. <laughs> so I jump on this bus. I don't know where I'm going. I don't, I don't speak like any French, you know, <laughs> and, and I, or read it. And so I jump on this bus and then I end up by go, ending up where the opera house was. And then historically, that area was used for a lot of executions and guillotines and all that area hmm. prior to it being built. Okay. So well, what the Lord had me pray specifically was to reconcile and to forgive what happened with the Huguenots being kicked out of France. It was almost like God had me standing in the gap hmm. in my lineage saying, you know what? I forgive France and King Louis XIV and all of the things that occurred in causing all the persecution for the Huguenots. Hmm. Because the Huguenots inherently were under a tremendous amount of persecution there and over the years. I mean, even in St. Augustine, they were massacred there. So, I mean, over the generations, the, the Huguenots were really, really persecuted a lot. So I ended up by standing in the gap there for what happened in France with all of that, all the persecution on, the, on that whole part of my lineage. So just so you guys understand, uh, you know, French Huguenots were essentially were, were reformers. They were Calvinists who uh, refused to uh, participate in the Catholic Church. And so they were greatly persecuted as a result. And, and in many cases, the the Protestants in many parts of Europe were typically the best and the brightest. So uh, France greatly suffered because many of their, um, uh, you know, intellectuals and mm -hmm. mathematicians and engineers, as we mm -hmm. were talking about earlier, those type of people were being persecuted. Um, but, and so it's a, it's a fascinating history. You know, it's a very, it, it actually sounds familiar, doesn't it? You know, from mm -hmm. your history, right? But explain to me, what is, what do you mean by stand in the gap? What does that mean? Stand in the gap is where Jesus said, is there anyone, well, in the, in the word, in God's word where it says, would anyone stand in the gap for what's going on in the earth? Okay. And, um, and so what I was doing and what a lot of people do when they, when the Lord asked them, 
you know, to pray over certain things. It's 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 a connection with heaven. It really is for for me. It's a connection yep. with everything that God really wants to do in the earth. You know, it's like what happened with whenever there's there's innocent blood when there's blood shed mm -hmm. it's like that kind of per that thing doesn't go away unless unless it's dealt with one way or another it's like when what happened with Cain and Abel it's like Cain killed Abel you know but and the Lord said well where's your brother because his blood is crying out mm -hmm. from the earth mm -hmm. and so there's a there's a principle in that to where God honors I believe honors uh, when we pray and we pray and we intercede over when there was situations like that, hmm. um, when there is innocent bloodshed. So hmm. that's kind of what happened with what was going on with certain times when God had me do that. So was that the first time that you felt led to do something like that? Was right then there in France or were, or you kind of felt called to do that before you took that trip? I've done that a few other times okay. too. Like um, in our area, which is the next town over, which is Parish. There was a lot of um, Ku Klux Klan murders there. Um, there was a lot of persecution for the black community. Okay. And so I was standing in the gap, and so was my wife, Tina, okay. standing in the gap for forgiving what happened there. Hmm. And I was working actually with another pastor in our church whose lineage goes way back to like the uh, late 1800s. And him and I actually worked with two black churches in the in the region okay. to help heal okay. all, all of the right. wrongful persecution that actually okay. happened. It was so it. powerful and you know, a lot it. of tree a lot of tears and a okay. lot of prayers. So and, and you know, isn't that doesn't that kind of resonate with what's going on today? Um, you know, one of the things that it's really struck me is that there are a lot of broken people and like even when I see like Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. you know, um, if you're from the right, I understand kind of scary and you're going to criticize it but you know what these people it's because they feel like they recognize the fact that they live in a fallen world and they live in an unjust world yeah. and in their own way they're trying to fight against that right so I, I think as Christians we kind of have to understand that's the we look things get a little out of hand I understand that but we also have to also understand that we need to put ourselves in other people's shoes and that's what you're doing mm -hmm. and you know what's really important I think is that we are spiritual we are we're hardwired to be spiritual, right? Amen. So whether you don't believe in God or believe in God, the spiritual aspect of our humanity is fundamentally important, correct? Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the thing. Mm -hmm. See, like when we have these things from the past, whether it's slavery mm -hmm. or uh, persecution and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, we can have all the government programs and we can build buildings and we can build plaques, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. But we, we're neglecting the spiritual aspect of our humanity as well. And isn't that interesting to think about? Just ponder that for a moment. Uh, this is a man who has this passion for places where the blood was literally spilt onto the ground, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He senses that on a spiritual level, and he feels like something has, we need to stand in the gap, and we need to use this as an opportunity for reconciliation, right? Amen. And so that's what, you, that's what Glenn's been called to do. That's, that, would you say that's your ministry? Big part of it, yeah. Okay, yeah. so like... Big part of the ministry. And so now you're a Mormon, you're like, what do you mean ministry? Like, he's just a regular guy, right? <laughs> well... Yeah, pretty much. Right, right. I'm so just he, a media guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's the whole point. Like, see, like, as evangelicals or charismatics, we believe that, like, people can have callings in their lives. 
right? And maybe it's in a particular area, like maybe God gave you a gift, right? So not everybody's meant to go on stage and be a preacher. Not everybody's meant to be a worship leader. I'm using evangelical technical terms here, but not everybody's called for that. Now, like in your church, in the, you know, you also have callings in your church, and often it's, some, it's the bishop that calls you and says, okay, for the next few years, this is going to be your job. You're going to do Sunday school, or you're going to be the, in, in charge of cleaning the restrooms, whatever your calling is, right? That's how they have it worked out in their, in their church. It's all good. But um, and the thing is, is that, you know, so like in our, in our tradition, you know, we believe that, you know, like in having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we also believe that, you know, uh, there's also what is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which was, follows the pattern, which is in Scripture, because it was, it was something even mightier than I will come, right? And so that was the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so the idea of like, okay, this is my ministry. It doesn't mean like, okay, I'm a 401c3k and I'm going to build this big building or anything like that. It's also on a personal level. Maybe your ministry is to love your neighbors, right? That's your ministry, right? Right. So that's when we, when we talk about that, that's what that means. I just want to give you context of where we're coming mm -hmm. from so you have a better understanding of our worldview. And then maybe this will also be an opportunity so we, we can have conversations with each other. Yeah. So you feel so passionate about what you're doing and you have this moment in Paris, France. You just, you just hop on a bus and you end up in this spot and you felt like, oh, the blood is calling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so you felt yeah. this need. So... Um, Tell me a little bit, uh, give me a couple more instances of you doing that. Well, one, uh, one incident that was really mem uh, memorable was I was on a business trip and I had to go to St. Louis. I was working on a project in, uh, around that area and okay. um, missed the flight, couldn't get, so they ended up by getting me a flight the next day. So I stayed in St. Louis, okay. pouring out, <laughs> not a good night to go to the arch, you know. Right, right. So, and it was a setup. Because I'm in the <laughs> lobby, and I look at this book, and I'm like, and it has to do with um, the Mormons in that area, okay. you know? Okay. And some of the history and all of that. I look in another magazine, and it talks about how um, there was one about what happened outside of St. Louis. So mm -hmm. it's almost like I'm connecting two different things. Okay. And all of a sudden, I realize I'm like, Oh my gosh! There was a lot of bloodshed with the Mormons right outside of right outside of St. Louis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this was a massacre, mm -hmm. and I'm why you know I'm wired for that. So the next thing I know, I'm I spent most of the early part of that evening pressing in, and because of my lineage, you know, uh, especially with uh, with the Merrills, right. you know, I I was like, God, you, I please, I I, I ask forgiveness and just. I ask that you just heal the situation because that doesn't go away, you know, and, mm -hmm. I, and I was just really praying that the Lord would just heal the, heal the earth, heal the ground, hmm. heal that area of everything that, that happened during that massacre, which should have never happened because there was just been so much of that over the years in so many different races and so many different religions. It was just, and I know you guys can relate to that fully, you know, it's, and it was wrong. It was wrong what happened there. And I just, uh, it was just, it broke my heart. I think it's important that you, you, you listen to what he's saying. And I think it's, it's probably resonating with you a little bit now, is that um, we have an evangelical who's a direct descendant of an apostle, okay, a well-known apostle from the 1800s going into the 1900s. And he didn't, he literally comes, doesn't really know the history of everything that would happen. So that now, of course, what we'd be talking about primarily would be like the Hans Mill Massacre. We'd have the extermination order that Governor Boggs issued to exterminate the Mormons in the state of Missouri. All right. 
And he doesn't really know this, but he reads it. He just happens to come across this, and all of a sudden, he, I guess you, what, you felt convicted, or you felt like, okay, Lord, I'm here. This plane was delayed because I'm supposed to be yeah. here. Right? It's Is that exactly how you felt? Right. Yeah. Okay. And so, so I just think it's kind of the symbolism, right? Okay. So we have the forefathers. See, our spiritual ancestors, okay, were the ones who did it. Were the ones, our mm -hmm. spiritual ancestors. They believed in the Bible. They believed that they were, you know, going to heaven because they belonged to the right church. And they believed that all the many similar things of what we believe. So they're our spiritual lineage. It's mm -hmm. your spiritual lineage. But interestingly mm -hmm. enough, you have, also have a, a physical lineage because he's a direct descendant of, uh, of, of Merrill. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, just a very interesting thing to think about. So, yeah, I think the idea that reconciliation and uh, that kind of stuff is important, like the government doing all that and stuff. But I think it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, isn't it kind of interesting that this all happened? And so, Glenn, continue on. Just tell me. So, so you're saying that this evening you just start, like, admonishing and, and maybe beseeching God, oh, please, you know, or whatever, however this went. Just tell me what you were experiencing, how it felt, and then ultimately what it led to. Yeah, it was... It was funny because every single time I don't, you know, I just wait on what I believe I hear the voice of the Lord, you know, and he basically tells me exactly how I have to do a situation. Okay. Like, uh, there's been many different ways that, that, I mean, like I was at the border of um, Mali and Mauritania, and there was a lot of border wars when I was in Africa. Okay. Just okay. as an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we just stood in the gap right then and there. It's a story within itself. It was amazing what happened. But we were standing in, in the gap with about three other people um, in that area, you know, just standing in the gap, believing that God was going to heal the land for, for all the massacre that was happening during the border wars between those, those years between the Muslims and a lot of the Moors that mm -hmm. were there. And uh, just, you know, I, countless, there's a lot of different stories I have. But when I was in St. Louis that time, it was... It was very, very emotional because I really felt like there was just so much innocence that was robbed, you know, and, and, and it, a lot of it, unfortunately, is due to bad theology. It's like some people think that this is the, you know, that somebody's that's outside of their faith. Well, this is the, they're the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Parasites and, you know, mm -hmm. all the ites, you know, that we're talking about in, you know, in uh, the Pentateuch and the first five chapters, the first books of the Bible. And it's just, that's so inaccurate. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can't turn a race into your enemy like that, you know, just by nature, you know, mm -hmm. and, and unfortunately, we still do that as humans, you know. We still do that, unfortunately, in re in in our religious faith, and it's just wrong. It's flat it out wrong. It and is. That was really what was my heart was broken that night okay. over what happened outside of St. Louis. No, this resonates resonates in the Book of Mormon, where there's a period where they threw away their their lineages or their titles, and they said there were no manner of ites anymore. So that there are many ites in the Book of Mormon, and they decided to cast that aside. And bring unity. Okay, so it's kind of an interesting story that you that brought that, 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 that. Yeah, yeah, that's in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, Glenn doesn't know a whole lot about the Book of Mormon. I don't. You know? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but that's fine. You know, I'm still learning too. But uh, so it says there was no matter of ites. I believe is the is the scriptural reference in the Book of Mormon. So I think that ties in. So you're so just continue with what happens in that hotel room, dude. Just continue. so yeah, it was it was one of those things. It was it was it was kind of odd how he had me do it. But basically, it was I I, I had to. I made a bath and I just laid in the bath the okay. whole time. And it was almost like, 
Hmm. I don't know why the significance of that. I never really looked into to see if that was significant with how God had me do it. Hmm. But I felt like I just needed to lay there and just, and I wept. I was like, this is just horrible, you know, of what I was sensing that it was such an innocent, uh, innocent attack that should have never happened, you know. That is very And it was almost like I felt like I was... I don't mean to say like immersed in their blood, but I, yeah. I felt like I was immersed in what was wrong. Okay. You know, what happened during that time. Hard to explain, you know. It's like, who knows the heart of God, you know, and when he has you do stuff like that. But I just felt like it was it was really necessary. It was, you felt the need to go into that tub. That yeah. was necessary. Uh -huh. So Glenn doesn't know this, but um, in the history, uh, there's a period of time where many innocent women and children and stuff, were, their bodies were thrown into a well. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. So, <clears throat> wow. Uh, so it just kind of confirms things, doesn't it, Steve? Yeah, so wow. I just. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> so I think that's the significance of it. Uh, <clears throat> just wow. so you understand that, that, that as soon as you said the bathtub and you felt the need to be immersed and you felt they were immersed in their blood, well, there many, many bodies were shoved wow. in that well. Wow. So I just. I think that's significant. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's... Wow. You just never know. Mm -hmm. Obedience is better than sacrifice. That's what the Bible says, you know? And it just... Whenever we do something, now how crazy it sounds. If we just operate in the obedience of God, you know, wherever we're at, you know, because we're constantly learning. I'm constantly learning about, you know, the Mormon faith. I mean, you know, and... Uh, it's just because we only prophesy in part and know in part, you know. So I, you know, I want to know everybody else's part. I really do, you know. And that, wow, Steve, oh, wow, <laughs> oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things kick. I told the Glenn, I said, I don't want to hear the story. I want to hear it the first time on the. You camera. know, that's not the first time I've had confirmation like that. When I was in parish, like I pre, you know, I was yeah. talking about earlier, when I was out in parish, got I was getting these visions of white figures burying a black man in the ground head first. Mm. And I was like, and, and I told my friend Jimmy about that, who his family's been there for, you know, for years too. And he said, oh, I know exactly what that is. He goes, he goes, the Klan used to bury black men, especially in gopher holes. Mm. And it was like, they were, they were just trying to head first, bury this man in a gopher hole. So it was just, that got confirmed, okay. you know. Of, yeah some of the stuff that happened yeah. even during that time so so god is faithful he just confirms his word you know i mean you kind of time and time again you kind of got the witness at first hand this was not expected um and i think this is going to resonate with a lot of you um you know uh you know the whole idea behind my channel was just to kind of have no agenda and just have a conversation um didn't know uh tom very well just knew him a little bit and um i think part of the reason that we had that conversation a couple months ago was, was for us to sit here and yeah. have this conversation that we had. So tell me more about that night in that hotel room. Um, it, it really didn't go that long. Okay. You know, it, it basically was just this outpouring of kind of a travail, I guess, hmm. for a little while because there was such a, I just felt like there was so much innocence that was robbed, you know, during <laughs> that time. But, and then it was pretty much... I felt like that was it, you know. I, I felt like that was that was enough, you know. Okay. And 
And so, but after that, I was like, God, what happened here? Yeah. You know, I'm like, this just should have never, ever occurred. You know, I mean, there's so much of that over the years. You know, it's what's been done to the Native Americans and the African Americans coming into our country. And this just, you know, just so much stolen innocence, you know, that I just, I have a real heart for that. I have a heart for restoration. I have a heart that... You know, people, you know, in this generation that they fall into, they, they, they're able to capitalize on everything, the blessing of God, of hmm. what he wants for their lives, wherever they're at. You know, I mean, I just, you know, we're all God's, we're all God's creatures, you know, and, and no matter what, where our faith level is or whatever, we cannot judge each other. We can't condemn each other. We've got to be open to wherever we're at and and to support each other, you know, regardless of even of race, color, creed, you know, whatever, hmm. you know, and and sometimes that takes that takes a little bit more education. It takes spiritual intervention. It just takes certain things like and your YouTube channel, you know, to really educate people going, you know what, I wasn't aware of all of that, you know, yeah. and it just opens people's eyes up to to be open to, you know what, I'm teachable, yep. you know, and that's, and that's important. Yeah, you know, that's, I'm getting an education from all of this, and, and you know, one of the things that struck me was when I, uh, once I started engaging members of the Restoration, I first got in with the Community of Christ and then found my way in with some of the independent Restoration branches, and then finally my, found myself into um, the Salt Lake branch, you know, the, the, the largest uh, uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And one of the things that really struck me was um, how, and I was just telling somebody about this the other day, how I, I get on this Zoom call where there's about 100 restorationists on there, mostly Community of Christ, some independent branches, and I jump into that Zoom call and immediately are embraced by the group, shown Christian love, they embrace the stranger. That really struck me. And then I get invitations to join other groups, like a book club, and then another group, which I'm giving a presentation, a Zoom presentation tonight to. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they go to me and, and they say, brother, you're, you're, you're one of us, right? And immediately accept me into it. And then I think to myself, imagine it the other way. You have a group of about 100 evangelicals and, hey, a Mormon jumps in. Guess what? That's not happening. <laughs> right? and, and so to me, it's like, you know, it's, to me, you know, the Christian walk is a very basic one. Right? Do you love your neighbor? How do you treat the stranger? Two greatest commandments. Right? Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. So when I see Christ-like attributes in a place I'm not supposed to, right? I got to deal with that. That's you know I got to start throwing some of the preconceived theology out the door, mm -hmm. and use my mind. That's fine, but also follow the heart, follow the spirit, and that's what it's all about, right? Mm -hmm. So you take all of that and you bring it into it. And see, so often I deal with these rational Calvinists who just, and I used to be a Calvinist mm -hmm. until I found Jesus, and um, <laughs> they just push the uh, spirit away, and all they want to do is rational, logical, and, and there's a place for that. But, I mean, folks, you, you kind of saw it here today, what happened, right? Uh, that's an interesting thing that happens. That's something just to take into account, you know, mm -hmm. um, is that it's so important that you also allow the spirit to operate in your life. It's important that you allow Christ to operate in your life. Mm -hmm. um, and it's important that, you know, once you accept the, Jesus Christ and you are allow the Holy Spirit to enter into your life, it truly transforms your lives, oh, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And I don't care what church you go to. I don't know what building you go to every Sunday morning is irrelevant. Do you have a personal relationship with the Savior, mm -hmm. right? And I think I'm running into so many people of the Restoration who I can tell you, 
I believe they have a personal relationship with the Savior. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, but because of my approach, I think that those barriers are coming down because where the, where the Spirit is, there is unity, mm -hmm. right? And so to me, I have some friends in the Restoration, they want to bring unity to their moment, movement because they've been tearing apart and they've been frayed. And, and I'm like, well, you can teach me something because, Lord, I'll tell you what, we have so much, every, you have a, a debate over a particular song in the church and they, well, half the group leaves because they don't like that song, right? It's, and we, it's, it's crazy, the stuff we have to deal with. See, we're, we're guess what, we're, we don't, look, we're big and we're powerful and we have all these TV channels and we have all this, all these big ministries that are worth billions of dollars. We literally have televangelists that are billionaires, right? Yeah. Uh, we have all this, but you know what? It's a, it's, it's not a, it's a kind of a mess over here. So I just want to let you guys know, we're, I, you know, I don't think we're in any place to judge, mm -hmm. judge them. No. Uh, you know, you guys, mm -hmm. members of the restoration, I think it's better that we just acknowledge our flaws yeah. and acknowledge our mistakes, yeah. you know, and it goes all the way back for 200 years. Us evangelicals have been doing the same thing over and over again to you guys. And where has it taken us? It hasn't done any good. And so to me, we have to take a different approach. Glenn, I am uh, truly honored <laughs> that you came out today and blow it out of the water. <laughs> this is crazy, right? And, and to me, this is a joyful thing. I think the Lord oh, does work, awesome. works in awesome ways. And so I, mean, I guess, uh, is there anything you want to share? You know, just look into the camera and just share with the members of the Restoration, with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. And he's a direct descendant of an important apostle uh, who served under Brigham Young. Just, do you have a word for him? Yeah, actually, Genesis chapter 1 says we're created in God's image. I mean, we all are created in his image. And God is spirit. He, we worship him in spirit and in truth. So the thing is, is that because we're all created in his image, we can all hear from him. And... I'm, I'm not an odd duck. I mean, I just, God just had me do certain things with what I heard him say. And you can hear his voice. I mean, we, my wife and I, once we did this little exercise with a bunch of kids and we just said, listen for God's voice. And every one of those kids in the room actually heard the voice. They were all in different places, you know, but you can hear God's voice and you can hear the voice of the God of the universe that created you in his image, regardless of where you're at, regardless of, you know, even religions. And we've, let's put all that aside. You know, we're all created in God's image. And because of that, we can hear the voice of the creator of the universe. And that's the, that to me is everything, everything, hearing his voice. And I just encourage you to just, just be very, very, very attentive to what God is saying to you and, and to just, you know, to just obey whatever he's telling you to do in, in your life. And it'll bless you, your family, your business and everything that God wants to, you, you, to put your hand to, you know, and, and that's what I've seen. The success in my life has been more than anything. It hasn't been because of tithing. It hasn't been because of this, that, or the other. It hasn't been because I've done things correctly. It's because I've just had a passion for God. And, and my life is gauged that way. And that's why he's had, that, had me do different things to be able to intercede because I've just been after his heart. That's it. I'm, just, I'm after his heart. I, I just want his best. So there you have it, everybody. I'm so grateful that Tom was able to come out and share his story. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
You know, there's, there's a... Th well, we know a guy, Tom. <laughs> yes. We know a guy, Tom. I have a mutual... Who's a great guy? He's a great guy. <laughs> uh, he, he corrected me because I kept on calling you Tom Cole. I think there's a politician named Tom Cole, and that's where I'm getting it from. I used to be involved in politics, so I think that's where I get it from. But I, I just want to thank everybody for uh, watching. Um, I want you to like and su subscribe. Uh, please leave your comments in the description. I'd love to hear your feedback. And how, how did this episode affect you? And, and I really want to hear from you because I think it's really important that we start building those bridges of understanding, having those conversations uh, like this, you know, very unique. And I think it's a wonderful thing that you all got to share it with us today. So all of you have yourself a great day. Thanks for taking your time to watch this powerful interview and have a great day. Amen.